0: Come on, church. Come on, let's thank God. Come on, let's give Him praise. He's big. There's a scripture I really, really love in in the Bible. It says, our God is great and greatly to be praised. The truth of the matter is, is our praise will be as great as we think our God is. Which means if we believe that our God is great, He says no rival. You see, there's some things in your life that are big right now. I'm not going to lie. There's some things in your life that are big. It's anxiety. It's depression. It's that mountain you're facing constantly. There's some things in your life that are big. God never said the things in your life that you're facing aren't big. It's not what he said. There's no peace there. That thing is big. The goodness of God is that he's bigger than the thing that's bigger than you. And when we have that understanding that even when we go through hurts and we go through pains and we see people in hard times that changes our perspective and it says that our God is great and greatly to be praised which means our revelation and our perspective of how big God is will result in how big our praise is and I believe our church is loud and I believe our church is rowdy and I believe our church screams when we have the opportunities to praise God not because we're putting on a show but because God has put on a show for us He has delivered us. And if you're in this place right now, I want to speak to you because this is all new maybe to you. I just want to let you know, man, God's got so much, so much for you. And I know in this life, there's a lot of people searching for answers and there's a lot of things telling us what to do and how to act and what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. And the truth of the matter is, is we can spend our whole life on this journey trying to figure out how to overcome these big things in our life. And Honestly, those things are still there, but when we run to a God who's bigger than anything we face The mountain can stay but the peace can come in and even though the thing still stays right in front of you You have something that's bigger than that mountain and it's called peace peace is big peace is in the midst joy is big it's not happenings where when life comes our way we're happy because of the results right now, but joy is in spite of my circumstance there's something in me i can't explain a joy that i have to keep singing the 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 psalmist said anoint my head with the oil of joy while he was hiding for his life while people were chasing him trying to kill him didn't change his perspective but the joy was bigger than his perspective So, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name for this place. I thank you for a church that came to worship, a church that came to praise, a church that came to lift your name up. And I pray as they did that you would answer our request, that you would bring joy right now. I pray you would bring peace right now. I already sense it, Lord. There's people who have now realized, Lord, the last 15 minutes they haven't worried. They have worried all week. They've been anxious all week. They've been fearful all week. But the last 15 minutes, they haven't had an ounce of fear because your presence has showed up here. And I pray, Father God, that we would love that presence, that we would love that encounter as we sing about, Lord. We're here not for entertainment. We're here for an encounter with you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, as we continue on in opening your word, that we would have that that we would encounter you, Lord. we prepared our hearts, we've prepared our minds, and we want you to have your way in here. So throw your weight around in here. Show up in here, Father God. Your presence is here. You inhabit the praises of your people. You showed up to church today. I'm glad I come to a church where you show up, Father God. I'm grateful for Authentic, I'm grateful for our squad members, I'm grateful for those who join us today. Thank you for our kids who are learning back in the kids' area, I pray that they would be filled with the presence of God wherever they are. I pray, Lord, that people would see our families and say there's something different about them. And I pray for whatever big situation people are going through right now, that today they just had a perspective that no matter what big thing I go through, my God is bigger and there's no rival because death couldn't even stop Jesus, and if death couldn't stop Jesus, thing that's standing in my way can't stop me either and we believe it in jesus name amen and amen come on let's give god praise one more time man so good hey before you take a seat i want you to find a few people take a moment find a few people give them a high five and tell them what was the highlight of your summer real fast just like one sentence what was the highlight of your summer You have no rival. I'm sorry about that.. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm an audition next week. I'm an audition. Good job. Man, worship team, thank you so much for always leading us right into the presence of God. Delaney, incredible job leading us as well. You did it, so. Guys, it's so good to just be crying in the front row. You're, like, you're just like, oh my gosh, like we have the best worship team ever. And that's not like a competition thing. It's just like don't ever take this for granted. Like don't ever take what we just witnessed for granted. We had come to a church where our worship team is passionate about the presence of God. So I think we should thank them for giving us an opportunity to worship with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we get started, my name is Sean Jensen. I'm the pastor here at Authentic Church, and uh, you've come to a place where we are live. I know it's been warm. I know uh, it kind of cooled down this week, but we're going to be awake this morning. We're going to be expecting this morning. We're not going to leave Pastor Sean up here by himself preaching at you. This is going to be a collaborative thing. We're going to have some fun. Uh, But before we get there, I have to let you know that as a church, we've always said since we started a church that we would not be a church in our community, but we would be a church for our community because the church is pointless if you're not making any impact in your community. The church should actually be uh, what the people look for. One of my biggest things is I want to get to a time when if uh, crisis happens in pontiac the mayor says call authentic church don't know what to do that's what i want to get to in our church and so I want to be that. And, and so we have this opportunity that we announced last week called uh, Play Hard or uh, Work Hard, Play Hard Weekend. And so on August 24th, we have five projects that our interns have been working hard on where we're going to go into the community from 8 to noon. We're going to take four hours of your time. And as a church, we're going to band together in Love Pontiac through uh, taking care of some of uh, Mosaic's needs, going to a park and taking care of some parks, uh, doing a car wash at the Superwash and paying for people's car wash for free. Like we're just going to bless our community as much as we can now listen this is the moment where everyone's like "Woo, I'm excited but you haven't signed up yet so if you're not going to sign up don't clap all right but if you're going to I'm am we're in the spirit of James right now so faith without works is so we are a church who doesn't just cheer when we talk about this we're a church that shows up and loves our community even when it's inconvenient now if you have work we love you go work You need a job take care of your kids uh so please sign up. So if you have a phone, if you can get your iPhone out and put your camera app open, you can scan these. So please sign up. Our interns need to know the numbers of people. Sign up for Serve My City and then Passion Night. That's Play Hard. Sunday at six o'clock, we honor all of our squad members and our vol- we call them our squad members our volunteers who serve this place. It doesn't go unnoticed, and so we take three times a year to celebrate them, and that happens at Passion Night. If you are a squad member or want to become a squad member, this night is for you. And we want you to sign up as well because we're going to have Kona Ice for you for free, which is an awesome snow cone uh, dig. Listen, we're going to have a cereal bar. It's going to be lots of fun. And it's going to be 90s night. That's right, 90s night. Yeah, I'm excited. Don't dress up as Wayne and Garth. Me and Chris already got that covered. You're going to have anybody else, all right? Just not that. So 90s Night, please sign up. I'm telling you guys, we don't, anytime, not even Pastor is sharing this, when we hear announcements, please just get in the habit of signing up as soon as possible as you find out. It does help our planning very well, and we want to be excellent in these matters. So we'd love for you to do that. You can go on Facebook right away today, and it's pinned to the top with both of these links to get signed up. So who's ready for the last week of James? (laughs) We made it! Come on, look to the person next to you and say, we made it. Look at the person on the other side, your second choice, and say, we made it. James 5. We've gone through four books of James, picking what we feel like God's leading us to do. And we'll be in James 5 today. Remember, James is straight up. He's straightforward. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He's writing to Jewish believers, so people who are in the church who believed in Jesus, who are being persecuted for their faith, and he's encouraging them. In the first week, we learned about the endure plan, right, to endure what you're going through. Uh, the second week, we talked about faith and works and how they go together. Third week, we talked about our mouth then we took a week off and then last week if you're with us we talked about planning and how to plan with God and how that's important Uh, we talked about pride that was fun right that was a good time good job thanks for coming family talk and this week we'll be in James 5 and we're going to talk about this thing called prayer Uh, James 5 says this are any of you suffering hardships you should pray are any of you happy you should sing praises Which means if you're happy, you should sing. Well, I'm a man. I don't sing. You should sing. He says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just make a noise. It's fine. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, listen, you will be forgiven. Confess, actually translations say, therefore, Because of these things, now confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Some of you who have no church background just looked at your friend named Elijah and was like, Really? You did that? We'll talk about who Elijah is if you have no idea who that person is. Three and a half years, it didn't rain. He prayed and rain came down. (laughs) The farmers are like, could he have prayed for less rain like the beginning of this year? Uh, Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. What I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we lean in, that we would be encouraged by prayer. We thank you, Father God, for James and this book that we've been going through. Thank you for the season of our church. I believe we've become better and stronger. I believe as we put these things into practice, it's going to make us different people. And I thank you for Pontiac. Thank you for this amazing town. I know many people have cursed it, but we're living in it. So I don't want to curse the place I'm living in. So, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would bless our city and help us be a part of that as we go to serve my city. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. I, I'm working up a lot of spit right now, so you guys are in trouble. I'm just letting you guys know. I'm feeling it right now. I must have been the protein bar I ate before I came up. So TJ, get ready. Good thing you got glasses on. All right. Uh, I don't know. My, and I know I talk about my girls a lot, but we're kind of in the stage with my girls where they're like, they're figuring out their artistic abilities. Uh, they love to the color. They love to the paint. They're, they're figuring out their artistic abilities. And quite frankly, everything is turning into a canvas everything is turning into, I mean, sometimes they, like, walk up to me and start drawing on me, like, it's okay, daddy, like, I'm just, I'm just uh, growing in my artistic abilities, let me write on your arm, and, uh, so we would go in the rooms, and sure enough, if they're left by themselves for a couple minutes in the rooms playing, they will take the markers, and they will start drawing on the walls, they will draw on the dresser, they will grab their little owl piggy bank, and start making, like, little things on there, like, everything can be destroyed in a couple minutes with with markers that they have, and, uh, So there was markers throughout the house, and nothing was really working, and we tried baby wipes, because we think baby wipes work for everything, and they pretty much do, but it wasn't getting the job done, and so one of our friends said, have you heard of the magic eraser? Some of you have heard of the magic eraser. (laughs) I I didn't worship during worship, but the magic eraser? That's where I got emotional. Anyway, so, I'm just kidding. So, I'm just kidding, kind of. It's passive aggressiveness. Anyway, so... So we got the magic eraser, and sure enough, Liz brought one home, and I grabbed that thing and got it wet, and I went, and as soon as I started wiping it, it was, like, magic. Like, it was, like, wiping it off. I was, like, freaking out. I'm, like, scrubbing everything. I'm, like, this is awesome. I'm, like, scrubbing, cleaning all the things, and all of a sudden, I'm, like, man, if if that can come off, like, I'm going to go find some other stuff. So I'm just, like, walking through the house, like let's try it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, if you're not careful, we'll take the paint off your wall too. I found that out. He was like, oh my, I'm like, I'm like walking through the house. I'm like grabbing shoes. I'm grabbing walls. I'm grabbing everything. I'm just taking stains off everything. I'm like, this is so cool. Have you guys seen this? I'm like posting about it. Have you guys heard about the magic eraser? I'm just like, it was like, it changed my life, guys. Don't look at me like that. Like, it changed... And in that moment, when I realized the power of the magic eraser, when I realized that this whole time there was something I could use to take care of it, I started using it. when I found out that the results I wanted were good, I used it on everything. I would go to say that if you found out just how powerful prayer was in your life, you would start using it on a whole lot more things. I, I, I just want to let you know that James is saying in this scripture, there's a couple of things that we just talked about that prayer works. First off, it brings healing spiritually and physical healing. It brings miracles. It brings breakthrough. It brings forgiveness. The rain was closed up and the rain came down. And you can sit and say that it doesn't control the rain anymore, but I believe when people pray, we can still see miracles like this happen. We have seen people. Man, this last month has been incredible for our church as we have been praying for renovation stuff to come through. And sure enough, people in our church, three, four, five people have gotten inheritances in the last month, and they're tithing off of it. And our church is growing because the renovation project. Don't tell me God can't move when we pray as people. Some of you are looking for results and you're not praying. And I'm telling you, just like the magic eraser, when you find out prayer works, you'll start using it on your kids. You'll start using it on your wife. You'll start using it on your husband. Help him, Lord. You'll start using them on everything. You'll, you'll provision for the job. You'll start praying about everything because you find out just how powerful that eraser or that prayer is. And James wants us to know, keep praying, keep doing this, because we live in a church where we want, or in a world where we want results. And maybe you've prayed and you haven't seen the results you want, and we'll cover that a little bit, and maybe you're there, but I want to talk about prayer that works. The name of this message is this, I want results. I want results. I want to do my best from what James says to give you tools that you can when you pray to see the results that God wants you to receive in your life. Because when we begin to pray, we would do it a whole lot more. I'm telling you, you get hooked when you begin to see when the husband begins to come back, when the kids become to come back, when the wife begins to find peace, when the money begins to come through. Why? Because you stopped complaining about it and you started praying about it. Prayer works. Uh, You're at a church right now where prayer works. You're at a church right now where people go, well, I prayed and this didn't happen. We're still going to pray. Prayer works. Prayer is what we live by. Prayer is the secret sauce. Prayer is what this church was built on. It is all about prayer and the first thing we know that James says is this, where there is confession, there is progression. Some of you have maybe stopped still because we've stopped with the confession side of things. And he says, if you want to progress, you got to confess. Right? He says in this, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I learned a lot of scripture and we could go so many different ways. And it's like, what about anointing and the elders and all that? We won't have time to unpack all this, but I do want to pinpoint what he says is effective prayer when we have results. And one thing he says straight up is this, confess your sins to each other and pray so you may be healed. See, a lot of people in the church are forgiven, but they're not healed. I'm going to say that one more time a lot of you have come to christ and he has forgiven our sins praise god for that and when i say that a church who understands that should get crazy because when you realize that you are far from god and our mistakes separated from god and he came in and he gave his son for you and i and paid the debt for our sin when the pastor says forgive and we should be like oh my gosh i'm so glad he forgave me because if he didn't forgive, like we should act a fool When we find out we're forgiven, when the pastor comes up and says, you've been forgiven, it shouldn't be, "Mm, that's true. You were on your way to hell, but Jesus came in and said, while you were a mess, I saved you. I'm forgiven. Oh, that's a big weight off my chest because I did some stupid things, guys. I'm just like, no, like this isn't a time to confess for some of you, but I've done some crazy things. So listen, many of us are forgiven, but a lot of us aren't healed. And some of us can't move forward in our life and our prayers because we haven't grown to confess our sins so here's the thing sins what does that mean where we miss the mark or continue to miss the mark it's something that robs us from the life that god promised us david was a psalmist and he wrote things in the psalm he wrote songs these were actually songs he wrote he was an artist he played the heart but he also killed goliath which means you can still be a manly man and still sing to god and still play music to god he was in touch with the sensitive side he still killed thousands of enemy men he wrote this he wrote when i refused to confess my sin my body wasted away and i groaned all day long day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me my strength evaporated like water in summer heat he's saying when i held these things in it just ate me alive and some of us are living our life daily This feeling that gnawing and that hurt and that pain, and you're just being eaten alive on the inside because you're holding some secret sin. David had some secret sin. David, a man after God's own heart, if you guys aren't aware, slept with another man's wife. And then, so he wouldn't find out, he had the woman's husband murdered before he found out. David, man after God's own heart. That's who God used. He uses flawed people, but he had some secret sin in his life. He had some secret sin in his life. Now listen, David got to a point where he realized these things were eating me alive. They're eating me up. I can't, I can't share them. I can't talk about them. And they said, it evaporated me. It, it zapped my strength. And he couldn't move forward unless what? Confession. Confession. And some of us are in this point. There is scientific proof by secular articles that confession actually brings a healthier lifestyle and healing to people's body. I love that science has to catch up with the Bible. There is science to back up that confession. Now listen, there I know when we talk about this it's hits heavy oh, there's some things that I just don't want to talk about. I know Sean's telling him it's of to confess. I want results, and I have to confess if I want results. And James says, yes, I know it's hard. I know it's heavy. And it reminds me of another artist who wrote another verse that we see. This, this guy was an artist as well, and he writes this. It's in actually Confessions uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He says this, now this gonna be the hardest thing I think I ever had to do. Got me talking to myself, asking how I'm going to tell you about that chick on part one I told you I was creeping with. Creeping with. Said there's three months pregnant and she's keeping it. The first thing that came to mind was you. Second thing was how I do know if it's mine, if it's true. Third thing was me wishing that I never did what I did. How I ain't ready for no kid and bye-bye to our relationship. These are my confessions. Come on, who remembers confessions? <laughs> You're like, not here, Sean. Can I clap? I wasn't going to sing it because I'm not Usher. Like, that's not... This was the great theologian, Usher, and he wrote these things. But I think there's power. Like, don't look at me. Oh, he's saying, Usher? We just talked about David. You can't be talking about creeping and all these other things. David slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, killed her husband. Kids, don't listen. Read the Bible. But I love what Usher says. He says, this is going to be the hardest thing I ever do. Confession might be the hardest thing you ever do. Because when you think about confession, you think about rejection. People look at me differently. I know I'm forgiven, but there's gonna be consequences to my sins and there's shame and guilt. But I wanna let you know today that confession is super vulnerable, but it is also super powerful. It is super vulnerable, but it is also super powerful. And if you're here today, remember what James said in his word. He said, you will be forgiven. So listen, God has forgiven you And you're like, that's good enough. But he says, now confess it to each other. I love this because he wants you to know if God has forgiven you, even if they choose not to, God trumps them. So listen, he's saying in 1 John 1, 8, and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and said the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's saying, I don't even care what the sin is. Sin is sin in my care, but if you confess it, I will make it clean and make you righteous. And now he says, since you've been forgiven, now confess to your brothers and sisters In church, as believers, why? Because you've been forgiven, confess. We're worried about people rejecting us because we want to share that, but Christ has forgiven you, and anyone else who doesn't forgive you doesn't have the heart of Christ. And as people in here, if someone comes up with some crazy stuff that they're going through, don't do the, (gasps) because your pride is just as shocking as their sin. God wants us to get to a place where we realize, We can confess to each other. I pray this will be a church that I don't care what comes out of people's mouths when they have to confess, that we would be a church that says, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to see you come through this. I don't care if you've had an abortion. We are going to pray for you and encourage you. I don't care if your lifestyle doesn't line up with what we believe, but you're ready to change it. We're here to love you and encourage you. I don't care whatever you've done in your past, you can confess it, and we want to be a church and followers of Christ who realize if our God's forgiven me, then I can forgive them and I'm going to help them on the road to recovery. That's what our church is about. So here's one thing you're saying. There's some things in my heart that are hard, but don't let the fear of rejection rob you from the freedom of confession. I know some of you are so scared still at this point, but at this moment, James is saying, I know this is a heavy first point, but if you want results in your prayer, maybe God's trying to get you to a point where you confess your sins one to another. Now, I'm not just like, hey, pray for me. I'm having a hard time. But saying, hey, I'm having a hard time because you know what? The pornography addiction I used to have, it's coming back. (gasps) See, the church has shamed stuff like that for so long. And we still see people who are forgiven but not healed. And they're not healed because we shame them every time they open their mouth. And God said, will you be a place where you can talk about, you know what? I know the consequence of my decision to go to that other lady's house who's not my wife But I know the only thing I can do now is confess this to my brothers and sisters who will, yes, forgive me, but also say they're going to give me the steps I need to find restoration if that's God's plan. It's so hard, but it's so powerful. Don't let the fear of rejection rob you from freedom of confession. Be real in your group. Be real with that brother in Christ. Be real with that sister in Christ. There's nothing more freeing than letting it out. And also, not just that, but in the scripture, James is talking about confessing to each other. Confess to the ones you have hurt. If you've gossiped about them, if you have spread rumors about them, if you have said hurtful things, if you have actually sinned against a person, he goes, before you pray to God, get your relationship together and right with each other. I love this. He goes, he says, when you're coming to give me an offer at the altar, he says, first, Leave the altar before you talk to me and go make whatever wrongs you have right with each other. He says, your relationships with others actually affect your relationship with God. If you're at odds with everyone around you, you're probably at odds with God. He's saying, you need to work on these relations. I love that he keeps us in unity. He says, maybe your prayers aren't being answered because you think you can do life by yourself. And he goes, confess to each other the ones you've wronged or have been wronged. Forgive each other. Why? So you can be healed. You want to be healed today, spiritually, physically, or whatever you're going through? Find out what is in your heart that you can't share like David said and share it with someone you trust and watch God bring healing through it. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be like, you can do it. It's going to be tough, but it's also going to be super rewarding. And the freedom you experience is much more than the years of that's been robbing you and eating at your bones. The second thing is this that he says, not only with confession, but there is power in partnership. There's power in partnership. You like the P's and the C's? No, I, I've worked really hard. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we confess and we pray with who? Each other. This is going to mess with a lot of people today because it says each other. We live in a culture where we celebrate independence. Woo! Hear me out. Glad for our country's independence and freedom. yes. But we celebrate independence so much, forgetting that we were actually created to be dependent. I knew this wouldn't go well. We're like, no, no. I'm an independent woman who don't need no man. I get it. And I get that you work hard, and I get that you can be a leader. I'm not saying that, but we live in this mindset that we don't need no man. We don't need no woman. We don't need anybody. We got this on our own. And scripture goes against that kind of thinking. Paul would say, look it, there's different members of the church. Just like a body has different members, so does the body in the church. You have arms, you have fingers, you have tongues, you have spleens, you have every different one, and they have to work together. Which means if you're working by yourself, you're dysfunctional. You can't function without each other. This is messing, oh, I love this. This is going good right now. We live in a culture where we are so independent, and we have so many people operating by themselves. And James saying, oh, this is more about each other than what you think it was. I love the church, but I hate people. You can't love Jesus and hate the church, because Jesus gave himself up for the church. We have to do this together, which is hard, because that means we actually have to work out our relationship. We actually have to confess. We actually have to talk about people who wronged us. We actually have to, you know, sit down and say, you hurt me because I'm flawed and we're flawed. But thank God for his grace. If we can't say we're sorry, we have now gotten to the conclusion that we're perfect. He says we need each other. We live in a culture that lives independent, but we were created to be dependent, listen, on God. And Paul says, and each other. The members of the body, 1 Corinthians 12, read it in your own time. He says, we depend on each other, which means if you're struggling, I'm struggling. Which means if you're hurting, I'm hurting. Which means if you're winning, I'm winning. We have a lot of people who can't see other people in the church win. They get to do announcements, and I'm over here stuck at the doors. We're a team. It's that independence we are dependent on God and each other. But my question is for this, is this: Are you dependable? Are you dependable? Oh, we're don't, we're going deep today, church. That's just what I'm here to help us today. Because are we dependable? Because we we're, we want to live in independence, but we we live in dependence. He says, "Pray with each other," and we have a lot of people. Like, I love the church, Sean. I hear this all the time. I love the church, but I believe I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I would agree with you, you don't, I don't think you need to go to the church to be a Christian, but I tell you one thing, it's a whole lot easier, and it's going to help you a whole lot more, and maybe I'm talking to someone on the stream right now, hey, if you're sick, I get it, but if you're there and you never come, I'm talking to you. Oh, I know. because oh, don't be so mean. No, listen, I'm talking to you because i much rather you see what God can do when you're actually around other people who are giving up. Their... Here's the thing. If we live in independence, we'll think that we have to conjure up our faith all the time. We think that we have to conjure up when we don't feel like it all the time. You know what I love about coming to church on Sunday? Even when I don't feel like it, if 50 other people feel like it, by the time I leave this place, I feel like it. Why? Because they lifted me up i love this about don't neglect Hebrew says don't neglect the gathering of the people if you say i'm a christian but i don't need church you're gonna become a lousy christian because you have to learn to depend on other people i know that makes you uneasy i know for personalities that's hard for some of you like thank god i've been depending on them the whole time like <laughs> yes we did but my question is this are you dependable am i dependable Am I going to come in on Sunday full of faith so the person who is having a hard time can latch on to my faith? Am I going to come up and I don't feel like it? I'm going to worship and I'm going to be excited and I'm going to be expected. I'm not going to complain when I have to serve one more day. I'm going to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. For the people who aren't glad, I will be glad so I can lift them up. Are you dependable? I want to be dependable. I want people to depend on me. Now, every Sunday you hear me preaching and you're depending on me. But for, more for than that, I don't think it's a bad thing that I have this pressure of a church that wants to hear God's word, and you're depending on that. But more importantly, I'll fail you. But as you depend on God and on each other, James wants us to know there's power in partnership. Okay, what does that have to do with prayer? It says in Matthew 18, 18-20, Jesus' words, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's a whole other sermon for a different day. Verse 19, I also tell you this, if, help me out everybody, if one, if of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's crazy that even Jesus himself didn't do this thing by himself. You know how he started his ministry? You, come follow me. You, come follow me. Who do, who do we think we are that we're better than Jesus? Jesus had a small group. You're welcome. Jesus had a group. And in the group, he had subgroups. There were favorites. He had Peter, James, and John. They got to go everywhere with him. And the other ones got to watch. But the truth of the matter was, he had a group. And he looks at him and says, you want some answered prayer? Find two or three people and get in unity with them and pray together. That's what he says right here. I am there among them. You can't have an agreement between one person. We have to get in agreement with others. I think this is humility, though, because when you have to get in agreement, you can't pray selfish prayers. Because when you're praying with two or three others, they're like, uh, that's kind of weird. Can you agree with me? Can you agree with me that I would get a divorce from my husband because he's just making me mad right now? Well, I will pray that God's will be done in your marriage and that maybe you would sacrifice your pride so this thing can work. Why are we praying in groups? So that we don't think like we can pray whatever we want. We want people to be in agreement with what we're doing and also holding us accountable while we pray. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. There's power, and that's why I'm excited. If you don't know, our Seek Night's coming up. We talked last week, starting on August 4th at 6 o'clock, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to do a Seek Night where we pray as a church. We pray for healing, we pray for breakthrough, we pray for our city, and we're going to watch God work. I want results in our church. And some of us, I announced it, and they see it as an obligation, not an opportunity. Because it's this and it's that. If I told you that maybe, just maybe, The nights you're spending blaming God for not answering prayers, you should be using those nights to maybe gather with people and pray some prayers. And so as we go into seek night, I want to let you know this is an obligation for our church. I'm going to be here, and I hope there's two or three gathered in the midst because I believe that when we pray together and we come together and we confess and we encourage and we speak life, we are going to see God answer some of our deepest prayers. I'm not seeing this as an obligation. I am pumped for it. I am ready for a power and a move of God like we've never seen it before, because our culture needs it. Why? Because we gathered together. The third thing is this: earnest prayer is effective prayer. Earnest prayer is effective prayer. He goes on to say this: "The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I want those results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. First and foremost, it says this, the earnest prayer, verse 16, of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That messes with me because he didn't just say the prayer of a righteous person. He says the earnest prayer. I I was raised in church, so I heard my grandpa say it this way. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I'm glad I was under that teaching. Because my grandpa was the one that prayed for me when I was going wayward. My grandpa... (laughs) He was praying for me when I was making terrible decisions, and he knew that the call of God was on my life. And he says, I'm going to give some earnest prayer, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Why? Because God's not done with that young man. He's not done with this town. I'm glad for earnest prayer. And they prayed for me. But listen, he says the earnest prayer, which means to put forth power. Listen, to be Active, it's moving, it's active, it's moving, it's active to be mighty. My Pentecostals in here just got excited. (laughs) Come on, Sean, get them. But the truth of the matter is this, guys just because someone is loud doesn't mean they're effective. When I say this, people are like, okay, it's gonna get loud in here. Pray loud! Sorry for waking anybody up. No, wake up. Pray loud! I'm not saying there's not power there, but earnest doesn't mean the louder you get. Have you noticed that sometimes the loudest people are like the least effective people? (laughs) Because for their insecurity, they have to project even louder to hide their insecurity. So they have to project a lot, and they're loud. Just because I'm, like right here, the power of my preaching shouldn't be based on how loud I get on Sundays. The power of my preaching should be based on how faithfulness I am to get up here and do it week in and week out. It's consistency. It's consistency. I love this. Powerful prayers are revealed through diligence, not decibels. It's good that you can say it once really loud, but can you say it next week when the prayer doesn't answer? I love this because James reminds us of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament and it says he was as human as we are. If we're not careful, we'll think prayers for the pastor, the prophet. And God's saying, no, prayers for all people. He's as human as all of us. He went through depression. The prophet Elijah wanted to kill himself, and God still used him. And he says, this guy prayed for the rain to stop, and it stopped for three and a half years. And he said, start, and it started. This powerful prayer, he tells us about Elijah. And Elijah, just in case people thought that it was a prop, he says, he was just like you, and he prayed earnestly. And we see this in 1 Kings 18. We see it in 1 Kings 18. There's a story of Elijah. So Elijah has prayed. The rain has stopped. He went and goes to a... How many people know that when you pray for the rain to stop, you're affected by that too? So sometimes the prayers you're praying, you'll be affected by them. You want to go to the next level, you'll be affected by that. You want God to bless you with new relationships, he might need to end some old relationships. He prays and he goes to the brook that God leads him to, he feeds him, he gives them water, he goes and does these amazing miracles. Sure enough, he's got the showdown where it's a bunch of prophets of Baal, which is a false god, and Elijah to prove his one God, and there's this showdown that happens, and right there, God shows up, he sends fire from heaven, after these prophets of Baal scream all night, worshiping their God, nothing happens. He says, God, show them who you are. He shows up, and at that moment, Elijah slaughters 450 prophets of Baal. Hardcore. And then he says these words right after to the king, the the wicked king. He says, then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm. He didn't see it. He heard it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, you got to pray even though you don't see it. But if God said it, you better pray it. He says, I hear it. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground. How many people think that, car- that mount sounds delicious? Anyway, 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 so, and bowed low to the ground, listened, and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look in towards the sea. The servant went, he looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, sir, uh, how do I say this to you? Um, there's nothing there. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Seven times. First off, I love the servant. I love there's a guy that would continue listening to his leader who says he heard from God, even the seventh time. The first time he prayed he looked there was nothing there it said elijah right it's not by decibels it's by diligence elijah was praying for the rain to fall i love the posture here look at it says he was praying with his head between his knees all i can think is oh my gosh what did i say god are you going to show up what's going to happen it's hard to be loud when you're screaming into your knees It's not about decibels. My question is, did he pray the same prayer the sixth day that he did the first day? Did he pray the prayer the sixth time that he did the first? It's easy to have a moment of faith and pray the first time. But I believe the authenticity of our faith is proven through the consistency of our prayers. I believe the authenticity of our faith is proven through the consistency of our prayers. It's easy to throw a prayer out there right away. But can we pray on the sixth day? On the sixth time when we see nothing right earnest means active write this down earnest prayer is active when our situation looks inactive sean what is earnest prayer what is james talking about he's saying a prayer offered like this i know people say sean i prayed and nothing happened and i don't understand all of that but one thing i do know is Don't go up to someone scared to pray for healing because you're scared that it will ruin God's reputation. God can handle his own reputation. We pray for healing. We pray for breakthrough. And we are earnest. Jesus would say, ask, seek, knock, and these things will be given to you. Jesus taught diligent prayer. Some of you today have prayed for three times and you've given up. And I believe this is the moment that you're going to start praying for your child again. This is the moment you're going to start praying for that blessing again. This is the moment you're not going to give up on what you've been praying for because listen, fervent is not by decibels, it's by diligence. Are we diligent in our prayers? I'm not saying you have to be wordy and make sure you have to say everything right. Just be diligent. I'm sure Elijah's like, Lord, bring the rain. Lord, bring the rain. Come on, Lord, bring the rain. The seventh day it showed up. Mighty prayers are from those who haven't seen the promise, but they keep pressing. I believe there's nothing more mighty than a person who has seen great opposition, and yet they still hold fast to their faith. Nothing is more powerful than seeing people in our church who have seen a lot of hurt in their life, but yet they still pray the same prayer they prayed when they first came to Christ nothing let me say that one more time is more mighty than see people who come to christ with a prayer and after experiencing heartache and sickness and disease and people dying they're still praying the same prayer of faith nothing is more mighty nothing is more powerful nothing is more strong than people who keep praying even when it hurts even when it hurts i'm going to keep praying even when it looks inactive i'm going to be active I'm going to keep praying. Even when it's hard, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, your ways are higher than my ways, and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Our faith will be revealed in time. Fight the good fight of faith. Pray. Whatever you've given up on praying, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. praying. The last thing he says is this. Righteous people get responses. Righteous people get responses. He says the earnest prayer of a righteous person. That word righteous means in right standing, in right relationship, pure, blameless, guiltless. See, we look at this, and some of us, we need to get excited at the word righteous, because we look at that moment, and quite frankly, I think a lot of people see that word righteous, and they feel defeated because they feel this. I think people might feel like, I want to pray, Sean, but I don't feel good enough. I've made lots of, why would God want to listen to me? I'm anything but righteous. Like you had me, like I was excited, I'm gonna confess some things, I'm gonna get these things off my chest. Man, man, I was excited about the things, I'm gonna get together with people, I'm gonna pray earnestly, but when you said righteous, get responses, like I'm just not right, I just, I've done too many wrong things. I've made too many mistakes, I've made terrible decisions, I've hurt so many people. How is God going to answer my, I'm not a righteous prayer. If it would just say earnest prayer of a man, but a righteous man? But I want to remind you that our righteousness is not based on our works, it's based on Christ's works. So if you feel like you're too high and dry to pray, if you feel like you've made too many mistakes to pray, I just want to show you what Romans 3 says for those who believe in Christ. It says, we are made right with God, Romans 3, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Listen, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. What is he saying? We made the mistakes. Jesus corrected them. We deserve death. Jesus took it for us you feel like you're not righteous, if you have put your faith in Christ, no works so that no man can vote, bo- if you trust that Jesus shed his blood for you and paid your penalty on the cross, you have been made righteous and you are a child of God, no blame, no guilt, no shame, you can walk in freedom fully forgiven for what God has done for you. And that is a moment where the church should thank God because you would not be where you are today if Jesus didn't show up. He showed up when we did it. He showed up when we were hurting and broken and those who believe. But listen, now that we are righteous, listen, righteous believing will live to righteous living. When you believe that Jesus has saved you from your mistakes, you'll want to change. And righteous living can only happen from righteous believing. And here's how I want to end this, to remind you about righteous. You can pray, no matter if you feel like you're not righteous, because if you have made a mistake and you're in Christ, he has cleansed you. He has confessed it, but he's forgiven you. And you are still righteous, and you can pray effective prayers. It's not really about you as it's much about Christ. Jesus, the righteous one. I thought about my my girls, because one thing with my girls is when they have days where they're not cooperating and they're going after each other and they're angry at each other and they're mean at each other and they're just going just having a hard day and it just gets so frustrating and after them fighting and bickering and throwing fits and everything like that they come up to you and have the audacity they'd be like can i have a cookie (laughs) isn't it crazy to think that these children know that even though how they've acted they can still come to their father and ask for a blessing Yet the older we get, we feel like the way we've acted prevents us from coming to God and asking for blessing. Because our kids know something. They can do whatever they want to do. They will always be my daughters. I'm not saying I'm not going to correct them. But usually what happens is this. I'll usually say something like, man, do you think I should give you a cookie? You've talked back to your mom. You have been fighting each other. You haven't been listening. So I'm not going to give you a cookie. You're that parent? I am absolutely that parent. I'm not giving you a cookie. But trust me, I'll be watching. And as you make these changes, I'll make sure you'll get a cookie when you're ready for the cookie. See, some people think that when God disciplines and doesn't answer prayer, it's because you're not His child anymore. No. They're still my daughters. I still love them. It's just that the blessing you want to gain is not as valuable as the behavior God wants to change. And sometimes he'll say no to a prayer to change a behavior in you because if it doesn't change, you won't handle the blessing when it comes. Worship team, come on up. Can I encourage you today that as you pray, If God's saying no, and they are like, Sean, I prayed for healing. And there's still cancer, and there's still sick. Listen, obviously still do these things. There's some things we don't understand. But there's also a lot of people who feel like they've been abandoned by God because he said no. And he said, no, I'm waiting. But I'm more more concerned about changing you first. And sometimes he'll withhold blessing to change us, to grow us to pull us closer. I love my girls, but you better believe I'm not gonna get them to train this way or they get older and they can act however they want and get whatever they want. I'm gonna teach them that obedience and integrity and character opens up blessing for their life. And so God will withhold some things, even though you ask and even though you beg, not because you're not righteous, Not because he doesn't love you not because you're still not his son or his daughter but because he wants to change you to look like him so when the blessing comes you can share it not hoard it i'm encouraged today i'm encouraged with these tools i'm encouraged not to give up on my prayer life i'm encouraged to continue to press into what god has i'm encouraged that even when it's hard to confess some things i'm going to find some people and talk about my struggles I'm going to talk about what I'm going through. I'm going to talk about what's happened in my life. Why? Because I want to be healed. I want to be whole with eyes closed. If you're in this place right now and you need strength to confess some things, I'm not saying you're going to confess it to the church. That's not what I'm saying, but you need strength to confess some things. You need some healing in your heart. If you're comfortable, I just want you to lift up your hands to God and surrender. Not to me. This is the moment to say, God, I'm receiving your word, and I'm responding in faith. Like, Lord, I need you. I want to pray for you. Just lift up those hands. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. You see every heart, every hand in this place. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would heal our hearts and heal our minds. I thank you, Lord, for teaching us and growing us. I thank you, Father God, Lord, for every areas in our life, Father God, that maybe we're holding on to, that you want us to get out for healing. I pray that we would see, Father God, the freedom of confession far outweighs the fear of rejection. And I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing. I thank you that even in these hard messages, you are challenging us and you are growing us. And thank you for making us righteous, Lord. Lord, our righteousness isn't our works, it's yours, Jesus, and we're grateful for it. So, Lord, give them strength today. Holy Spirit, help them today. Give them peace today and let them walk this word out. With your strength, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Keep your eyes closed. If you're here and you said, Sean, I'm not righteous, and the reason I'm not righteous is because actually I have not put my faith in Christ. You see, until you actually pray and believe that Jesus died for your sin, you're still separated from God, your sin is still bigger than you, and you have no power to overcome it. And you're separated. But God wants to bring you into relationship with him today because of Jesus' works on the cross. So if you're here and you've never made that decision, I want you to pray with us. All of us in here are going to pray. But if you need to pray and make that decision, you need to start a new relationship with Christ right now. Don't hesitate. This is the moment where you confess your sins. This is the moment where you say, God, I missed the mark, but you died for me. This is the moment where you can find spiritual healing and spiritual wholeness in Christ. So everyone repeat after me, except if you are praying this for the first time, I want you to, I want you to join with us and mean it from your heart. Everyone together say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me. I've sinned. I confess my sins. I missed the mark. But you paid for them. And I'm forever grateful. I choose you today. A brand new start. I want to follow you, Jesus. I choose you, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. With eyes remaining closed, if you just prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. There's literally a party in heaven right now. That's what it says in scripture, they're celebrating. And we wanna celebrate you too, and we figured the best way to do that is put a gift in your hand. We're not gonna call you out in front of people, but with eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, could you be bold right now with eyes closed and lift up your hand really high and say, that was me? That was me, I prayed that prayer. Go ahead and lift that up right now. We're gonna get you a bag. Yeah, leave that hand up. We're gonna get you a gift real fast. Yeah, leave that hand up. Anybody else, that was me, I, I made that decision. I needed to be brought back in relationship with God. Praise God, we're so glad you came, so glad you came. Father God, we thank you so much for what you did in this place. Thank you for that person who responded to you. Let them know in this place, you saw them you pursue them, and you love them, and you are not done with them, Lord. I believe that person felt in their heart that they were done with life, but today they experience that it's just the beginning of a new life, Father God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate another person. Come on, church.